A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, welcome to The Guinea Pig. I'm Dr. Mariam Zamani, an oculoplastic surgeon and aesthetic doctor. And I'm Fiona Golfer, a writer and journalist. I'm no stranger to a cosmetic procedure, and I'm willing to try pretty much anything. Which is why I'm here to make sure Fiona and anyone else that's out there considering a treatment to help make a better informed decision safely and to try and collect as much information as they can. Every fortnight, this podcast comes to you from Mariam's Clinic in Chelsea. If you're looking for an honest, no-holds-barred approach to invasive and non-invasive cosmetic surgery, then the guinea pig is here to help you. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the guinea pig. In today's episode, we thought we should tackle a subject which can cause a tremendous amount of anxiety and can result in some bad decisions when it comes to cosmetic procedures. According to the NIH and Care Excellence, approximately a half to 0.7% of the UK population have body dysmorphia. And this happens in equal proportion between men and women. So today, I'd like to introduce the lovely Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, who is a psychologist and very versed in this world of body dysmorphia and body image in general. So thank you so much for coming. Pleasure. And so for those of us that don't know, can you tell us what body dysmorphia is? So body dysmorphia is when you have, I guess it's a problem of perception, right? So most of us have days where we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see. When your body dysmorphic, you actually distort what you see to such a point that it becomes incapacitating. So it's interesting because many times you fixate on a particular part of your face or your body and you believe that that thing on you is so, so ugly, so unattractive that it can actually have a substantial impact on your quality of life. So um, as with most anxiety disorders, what happens is you begin to make your life smaller. So initially you may stop taking photos and then you may stop going out to, you know, where there's a lot of people and then you may stop going out altogether. So there's there's a real sense that your self-esteem, which is often um, impacted by body image, takes a huge blow. And of course we know when our self-esteem takes a blow, it kind of has a knock-on effect throughout. So we know that people with body dysmorphia um, can put their lives on hold. So, you know, they might be super bright, but decide not to go to, to college or university, uh, maybe super talented, but decide that they can't work. And they spend a, a disproportionate amount of time worrying and obsessing. There's a real obsessive component about this particular feature that they hate. When you come in through my door, you're not really doing it for other people. You're doing it for yourself because ultimately that's the person who needs to be happy. And of course, there are some red flags with some people who are obviously a very body dysmorphic and they come in and they you can tell they've had many procedures done and they're still unhappy with many different aspects of their life. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who kind of like teeter on that, uh, on that border. So when is it, you know, body dysmorphia 
as a doctor, I was never trained in, fu- in, a, sure. in a funny enough way to be able to deal with that sort of component sure. of emotion. And it's usually, as you said, tied to so many other things. It's not just how you look. It's then also in your life and, and how successful you are. And, you know, it's almost that they have control over this one aspect of their life. And that's why they've decided to sort of fixate on it. Yeah. I mean, of course, the sad thing is, is that they don't have control over that one no. aspect, right? So it's a projection of all these insecurities on that. Look, I think from your point of view, red flags are certainly people that look almost sort of obsessed with sort of surgery that have a disproportionate a kind of expectation of what it'll do. So if someone comes to you and says, you know, I think my, you know, I don't know, uh, my eyes will look less tired if I do this. That's one thing. If someone says to you, you know, I think once I get this done, then, you know, this is the one thing that'll give me the confidence to get the job, you know, the, yes. the relationship, the life that I want. Well, that's, that's, you know, th- that expectation. Well, it's very unrealistic. I think also kind of ensuring that there's some understanding of, of how much time they spend thinking about this. Now, again, you'd say that anyone who goes to any doctor spends a certain amount of time thinking about it, obviously, and doing their yes. homework. But if, you know, if the person sitting across from you um, is literally obsessed has spent you know uh, you know again a ridiculous amount of time worrying contemplating measuring that probably should raise some some flags and look I think you know I sort of I feel for you guys as well because it's almost this whole area of cosmetic surgery and I I think you know there is definitely a place for it to a point but I think you know there's there's on the other side of it it's kind of and I think a part of this is to do with social media I hugely believe this as well it's heralded as you know you feel unhappy will fix yourself from the outside in. It's become the only way to mm. get a sense of, of self-worth and identity. And I think just it's just the discussions that we have. So, you know, I mean, I know you, we're friends. I like, when I, when I hear you speak about it, you speak about tweaks. And I like yes. that because a tweak suggests it's something small. It's yes. something that, you know, you do that's not going to be life-changing. That's very different than conceptualizing um, having a procedure as life-changing. So would you say that in the past sort of, say, decade, there's been a marked increase in people suffering from body dysmorphia or dysmorphia in general because of the rise of social media, Instagram, filters, and the kind of pressure? Yeah. So body image disorders in general, eating disorders, we've seen a rise in all that. And look, you know, I've, I've worked in this area for years. And to me, it's really fascinating how it's nuanced the way that it's changed. So back in, you know, I don't know, five years ago, 10 years ago, I'd have a one, you know, a young woman sit across from me and, and there'd always be a number. I want to be, pick your number, 50 kilos, or I want to be a size, you know, six, or I want to be whatever. Now they'll bring in their, uh, their phones and they'll bring up Instagram and they'll be like, look, hashtag bikini bridge, which is a thing, by the way. Well, what is bikini bridge? It's for when your bikini, oh yes, exactly, indeed. It's when your bikini sits on, on your hip bones and creates a bridge. Hashtag thigh gap, hashtag box gap. These are gaps the legs but at different parts so you've got to imagine how we're deconstructing our bodies right so and again there's some fascinating research where they do eye tracking techniques right to look at how we look at our bodies very interestingly there's a differential between men and women on this so for men they tend to look at their whole body you know looking okay you know I mean, yeah but it's, it's all right women do that thing which is, i love my eyes i hate my nose i love my lips i hate my chin so literally cutting it up and a part of that as we know comes from the way that advertising targets women we cut women's up uh, women's bodies up much more trying not to look below the neck <laughs> i mean you laugh but it's absolutely i'm aware that i have this mirror in my bedroom and i get up and i pass it and if i'm not feeling confident 
I notice that I only look at bits of me. I don't look at myself full length. I struggle with my weight. I have so many areas of my body I don't like. So I'm okay about the kind of neck up. So I look at the neck up and even then, I get, if my weight is fluctuating, I look at different areas of my face. So I'm so aware of doing what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, this is it. And look, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, again, I think in our culture, we we overrepresent weight as an indicator of beauty or of health. Mm-hmm. So just, for, you know, for what it's worth, it's really, you're, you're a gorgeous woman. It's probably not something that I'd see. But clearly, you see it because you are looking. I always think body image is like a pair of glasses that you wear. And on those glasses are smeared comments you got as kids when your mother Absolutely. compared you to your sister with the last magazine. And you're like all of these mm. things. So you need to remember that, you know, body image is, is always subjective assessment that's tainted through feelings, through all these things. And we don't teach our kids to look in the mirror. Mm. You know, we don't. And, you know, it's a simple act. I know it sounds really trite in mind, but the simple act of when you look in the mirror, focusing on something that you like, you know, because that's not what we're conditioned to do. And, you know, I've, I know I, the cosmetics industry for, for years and understandably so. It's about fixing. It's like, oh, well, you've got, you know, dark circles, try this. You feel a bit pale try that but what that means is all of us we look in the mirror and we're like what am I going to fix try and switch that around if we could teach our kids to be like what what's the thing you loved both below and above the neck because you have to kind of find that it's 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 key actually I met with an esthetician last week and I was asking her about her relationship with her patients and the people who come see her and she said the first thing I ask anyone who comes to see me is tell me what you like about your face And I thought it was a really nice thing. I thought it was really, instead of saying, what are you worried about? The first thing is look in the mirror and tell me what you like. I thought I really liked that. Yeah, that is lovely. Yeah. Yeah. That is a lovely way to to go about. Interestingly, when uh, I look at somebody from uh, the other side, I always look at what I think is their best uh, feature and how to how to always make that shine because yeah. obviously we can't all have the perfect nose and the lips and the eyes but to make sure that you can can hone in on the areas that people do look like and look at and on your note the one thing I always tell people because everyone's always worried oh my god is someone going to notice and I said you know 95% of the time not even your mother is going to know that you, what you've done, yeah. you know, has changed. Mainly because because we're so self-focused and no one cares as much as we do, you know, so at the end of the day. I never know what happens on the other side. So if I do refer somebody to you, for instance, what is the therapy that you do for somebody who does suffer from any sort of body dysmorphia? And I, I see a rise of it. You know, I have a lot of friends whose uh, daughters are now in that critical early teenager side. And like I said, you know, they think that controlling, for instance, their weight or different aspects of their uh, life in in any sort of way that that's a a way to show that they're in control when in fact as you said it's it's not quite the same but what do you do how do you rehabilitate somebody who has body dysmorphia so what we know is that CBT tends to have really good results and what we tend to do with CBT is sort of challenge sort of thinking around that so a few things happen with body dysmorphia I think if you kind of think of identity as a pie the biggest piece of the pie with of any body image disorder with dysmorphia is this sort of idea around looks. So one of the things that we do is try and increase the pieces of the pie. What else are you happy about? So you know what? I might not have a six pack, but I'm really amazing at, I don't know, singing or, you know, great at math or whatever the case may be. So this this notion of not putting all my self-esteem eggs in the identity basket. The second thing that we do is we look at the behavioral side. How are you engaging in body checking behavior? So have people that will kind of touch their bodies to kind of check if they've changed or to look in the mirror and in a 
certain way. So that's actually seeking reassurance, right? It's almost like an obsessive or a compulsive way of seeking reassurance. So it's kind of trying to disrupt that. It's looking at the disproportionality in their eyes and, and accepting that mental health issues generally are a problem of perception, right? If you have a phobia of, of dogs, you see a chihuahua and you think it's a Rottweiler. Yeah. If you have BDD, you have you know, a, a, whatever, a nose and you see a it's giant beak. Door, yeah. yeah, it's all of these. Yeah. So it's about kind of understanding, helping yeah. them get their head around that, providing information. So a few years ago, I remember I saw this this lovely young woman, absolutely beautiful, with terrible uh, BDD. She'd actually sadly gone to um, the States on her casting and she'd been, uh, you know, feeling unhappy about her face and a plastic surgeon had told her her fat pads had fallen. Now this is like in her early 20s, which I'm not sure is physiologically yeah, it's possible. Very young to, it is, yeah. I haven't really fully matured yet. Thank I, you. Okay. So one of the things that I did then, though, was call on, because she was very kind of, you know, she, it was a big reader, very kind of into sort of the, the theory around this, was I got her to speak to a friend who was a plastic surgeon. And, you know, that was part of the therapy. That yes. wasn't all the therapy. But having somebody in that place of authority say, do you yes, know what? This it. isn't actually yeah. made a difference. And I think this is, again, my worry with the internet, that a little bit of knowledge is a it's, dangerous yes, thing. Google, There's a lot of a little Google bit of knowledge. Yeah. Dr. Google. Dr. Google. I'm guilty of that all the time. Aren't we all? Yeah. So I am too, and I'm a doctor, so yeah. please don't. <laughs> I, try, I try to at least go to, you know, the PubMed journals, but, you know, but we all do that. Oh, we do. When you have I'm access afraid. to information, that's where you want to get it. Can I ask you an idiot question? Because I'm sure there are other fools like me out there, but um, what exactly is CBT? Of course. So CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and the basic premise with CBT is first you think, then you feel. So it's sometimes it's your perception of the problem that's the problem and not the problem itself so if my perception of the problem is that unless i'm a size eight no one will accept me or want me well that's going to stop me doing a lot of things it's going to stop me from engaging from kind of coming out of my comfort zone so if i can change that perception think well hold on a second how many successful people do i know that aren't how many beautiful people do i know that aren't how many mm. times have i you know had this have nothing to do with anything all of a sudden i begin to see the world in a different way so it's very much about putting those those beliefs leaves to the test. You know, if this was a court of law and you came and said, my life will be better if I'm two size smaller, well, substantiate that. What's your evidence? What's your proof? Oh, no, isn't it terrible? And the awful thing is that I do think that. Do I mean, that, yeah, 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 for sure. But I don't have the discipline to do all the things that would make me either A, probably unwell or or B, kind of fix it. So, you know, Mariam, is, you're very good. You're very good with your diet. You're very good with going to the gym. You're very, I'm thinking I must lose weight and I go and have a Chinese you know I mean that's just me but oftentimes that comes from also sort of seeing this as this big insurmountable mountain right so Mm. again it's to to me it's 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 about focusing on um on the process rather than the outcome and i think that's what we do we focus on the outcome i need to lose before christmas five kilos no i need to get through the day by having done one good thing for my health right that's a hell of a lot easier than than doing that so process versus outcome i think in terms of behavioral change is is key i also think what else is key which we don't speak about enough when we're speaking about behavioral change is that so many times um when you do a the cost independent analysis the benefits to doing something healthy are far away and the costs are immediate yes. so i can't have the donut now and maybe my you know my you know legs will be firmer in like yes. six months so again yes. it's about trying to switch that around and i'm sure childhood messages and you know i had a very fat mother and and i mean very fat and and so 
I was on a constant diet, sort of on her behalf, I think. And I remember being in my early 20s and I'd lost weight and I remember going to my mother's house and there she was in an enormous caftan as she always was and I said and she said you've really lost weight you've really lost weight and I was so thrilled and she said now you could have some liposuction on your legs and that was those were the messages I was getting I mean it's a miracle I'm here and I'm as fabulous as I am but it's it's they were the messages I had fat parents and I got all the messages that you get from fat parents who wanted to be thin yeah. and they wanted someone else to do the work for them well, well and from, beauty was the same actually sorry to well, be, well being an oog I mean I'm and sure that's Vogue. the culture of uh, Vogue you know. was an interesting one because actually because of the editor that we had um, who was completely against all cosmetic <laughs> treatments we never wrote about as a, I mean very I think I was the the first time we ever wrote about any kind of cosmetic surgery was when I had a tummy tuck. And, um, but she doesn't like having facials. She didn't like having treatment. She didn't like anything like that. So she didn't really encourage it in the magazine. But when you were talking earlier, I was thinking about the era of heroin chic. Mm. You know, and but we all loved that. I mean, Kate Moss. Became, you know, was, that was... Those, you know, those, girls those, those were beautiful boxers but you and know skinny what, body. I did, I've got to say, that, that so much of it's cultural. So I'm it a Greek is. girl, okay? I grew up and I was always really skinny. The so shape is... Yeah, yeah, it's complete. But my grandmother kept telling me, you'll never find husband. Look at you. Look at their skin. So, <laughs> so I kid you not. I my used parents used to say the same, same thing, thing to me. And I would go to Iran yeah. and they would say, what's wrong with you? Your mother and father are not feeding you. <laughs> what is this? What I we, wanted to be tan. So yeah. I would go outside. What are you doing? You're going to get dark. No one's going to marry you then I'm, I'm chubby and you know I'm too skinny yeah, and so yeah, yeah. everybody was t- always trying to feed me so at that point I was eating like non-stop because everybody told me that I'm just yeah. you know it's not nice to be but thin. this is it though you know a, a bar bar facial symmetry and clarity of skin for yes. everything else is socially constructed yeah, everything is else true. is social and look hand on heart I don't think I've ever watched an episode of the Kardashians I don't really know much about them no, it's freaking osmosis however one thing I've got to say about them is they said this is what my butt looks like I'm going to celebrate it and I've got a bunch of girls getting butt implants yeah. which goes to show you that if you embrace it and I know it sounds corny but I say this to the young people I see you know some of us are lilies some of us are daisies some of us are roses be the flower you are you know yeah. and it wasn't until you know so for, for me it wasn't until I accepted I'm a skinny girl that's what it is that I was able to actually feel okay and dress the way it looked right and not have sneak weight gainer behind my mother's back and wear three pairs of tights because of my no but we, we it's so social though it's so that's, it's kind yeah. of it's so, so what cultural. about the kind of the Ashley Grahams of this world you know and the, the, the ads for the bigger girl that I think I wonder whether that is a sort of, you know, do you think that message works? Do you think the kind of the plus size models, should they be always photographed naked? Is it? Yeah, they're never dressed. And it's always made of the fact that they're plus size yeah, I do. rather they're than they're either just, underwear they're just or naked woman, they're not yeah. never really yeah. with clothes coming on. out of the sea I think that's yeah I never with whole... fabulous fashion yeah instance, exactly you know? so you know n- never you're never going to see them strutting I don't know no no Valentino or and look I you know again if if uh, if I'm really honest I think what we need to celebrate is health here right yeah so you know Ashley Graham you know is is obviously healthy but you kind of have other kind of you see others sort of I'm big I'm proud or I'm really really sm- you shouldn't you know it's not about pride it's about health right so yeah. in the same way I don't think we should be putting girls with you know ridiculously low BMIs on yeah. magazines I don't think we should be putting girls with ridiculously high BMIs I agree and this idea that 
we can't say that. I just I can't stand the intellectual dishonesty around that. It's not healthy. There's we know what a healthy yeah. BMI is, yeah. and this idea that you can be super super skinny or super super big and be it's not true. I mean, you're you're a yes, doctor. You if anyone, you really can't. Either so, extreme. No extreme is good for anything. Not. You know. So so, so again, you don't want to body shame anybody. However, you know when we know that certain things are bad for you in terms of of the well-being of of your body as a whole, we need, I think, especially as health practitioners to come out and and say it and in the media as well. There needs to be something, you know, not just about this sort of, you know, uh, let's not victimize people. No one's being victimized. Let's just look at science. (laughs) What's it telling you? Well, that's the other thing that actually worries me. So now with social media, for instance, there are a lot of people who are new founded, quote unquote, experts, you know, so whether they're health experts, whether they're fitness experts, um, whether they're lifestyle experts, they all want, like you said, they own it, and so then people listen to them and their information, whether it's just on exercise, it could be on cosmetic procedures, it's on anything. But I notice it because this is sort of the areas that interest me or fitness and uh, wellness and and obviously aesthetics. So uh, I I always say, gosh, you know, they've become an authority and you do at a certain point when you have, when you can influence so many people, you you are uh, considered an authority, but you don't actually, it is terrifying because sometimes, you know, those people have Mm. become uh, influencers influencers because I don't know they had someone like a Kim Kardashian post with them once in their lifetime and that's enough to immediately get what Mm. a quarter of a percent of one of her 100 million followers or whatever which is a substantial amount of people just in that little small number cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. But I think that's the big thing. You know, the source used to matter. The fact that yes. you went to university for, you know, a t- over a decade used to mean something, that your opinion held more weight. And, yes. and and I think we need to, again, educate our kids, but then kind of going forward about, think about the source. The other thing that used to really get on, you know, with these posts that I'll often see, these, these girls are bringing these super skinny models and they're holding a burger. Now, we all know if you do that all the time, your body isn't going to look like that. So it's, it's these lies on it. So... I can naturally eat all this all the time. And, and, and you know, the, the story then becomes one of such pressure on girls. So it's like this whole makeup free thing, right? It's yes. like, oh my God, you should look, you know, amazing without makeup on. Well, most of us look better with a bit of makeup yes, on. <laughs> so yes. Let's be honest, you know, that's fine. You know, by all means, don't wear makeup if you don't want to, but let's not kind of make girls feel bad about not looking stunning, you know, without, it's just. Without it's having. So we all three have daughters of different ages, right? You have a 16 year old daughter I have a 21 year old daughter and I have an 8 year old daughter you have an 8 year old daughter so you have everything to learn about what you can because your daughter is about to start to want oh, to oh my daughter already she's knows already how to wear makeup you way see? better than I do <laughs> eyeshadow lipstick she's uh, she's knows and what where does she learn it you know 
she doesn't she just experiments she she know she finds it on youtube yeah she's okay so my kids are not uh they don't have access to instagram so they don't they're not on instagram but youtube they follow youtubers uh not very frequently but you know they they know she knows exactly what's going on and you know just walking down the street and you see the ads and i'm in a store and there's a you know catwalk going on on the video screen she sits there and she watches them she's intrigued she wants to know she thinks it's you know beautiful i can see her sometimes walk the same sort of way that model uh, model is walking or you know now she's into I don't know she saw something on YouTube and she's got a side ponytail <laughs> and she'll put blue eyeshadow on and leg warmers I mean I mean we saw it you know, you know I saw it in Jackie magazine when I was growing up there's always somewhere but I do feel I wonder whether we lose control of our children much younger because they are so engaged in this whole other world literally and it's an alive world it's not a it's not a magazine or a comic or a cartoon like we had as, as growing up I think it's a it's a world that they can really disappear into the kind of down the rabbit hole well and that's that's spot on because the thing is the way that algorithms work is I start off looking at the side pony and blue eyeshadow and then it realizes this is what I want to see and it kind of keeps, keeps it, it going it yeah and and I think there is something about you know parents being on top of how long how often like you know uh, again this is an area that fascinates me and I do a lot of work in sort of the online world and cognitive and mental health and I often say to parents when they say how much time so I always say is it time spent well so you know if if your kids online for two hours and they're setting up a GoFundMe page for you know a cause that they care about that's great if they're online for two hours you know looking at videos and say am I pretty enough or am I because that's you've got 23 is it 23,000 hits a month of am I pretty enough Am I smart? Am I am oh I thin God. enough? Am I fat enough? Oh, it's you know you, you have a generation of kids asking to be accepted. Yeah. Um. And by whom? And who's answering yeah. the question? Yeah. Right. Who who is they? No. Who is they? And what is the agenda of they? We know about trolls. We know how the internet. But it's works, an right? enormous community. It may it's a, it's like school times ten million. So it's still the big girls and the girls that you think you want to you aspire Emulate. to. Yeah. And I think that does work. I mean, I think it works all through one's life if one's not careful. Yeah. No. There's crap. always someone who you want to be approved you want to seek their approval. Well, completely. But I think the difference now, we always had the magazines, right? We yeah. always, But the difference now is we can't live up to our selfies. So you've got yeah. kids producing more images of themselves than, than the top supermodel in the 1970s, easily, right? Like from a young age. And they edit those pictures. And what, what does do. editing mean? If I wanted to do a cognitive exercise and poor self-esteem, I'd get a 10-year-old to take a bunch of pictures of herself, you know, edit them, you know, find the ones that are ugly, fix it, put it up and wait for the likes. And then, you know, when they don't come, sort of start over again. That's literally yeah. an exercise and it happens from the age of 10 12 you know, when they get their I phones. couldn't every time I, I don't put very many pictures of my life on social media just of my children but every once in a while on my private account I have uh, you know probably three or four times a year I put a picture up and the first thing my kids ask me is how many likes and I'm like, I don't know. I didn't count them. Like, it's but aren't the they, they've stopped doing that. They're, they're, they're stop. stopping they, doing that. They, 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 they haven't stopped Facebook, it yet. They're, no, no, no. Yeah. They were thinking about yeah, it on Facebook. Talks. Yeah, yeah. What about this whole movement for body positivity? And, you know, I was, I was just thinking for body dysmorphia, it's not just people who want to come in and change aspects of their uh, bodies with medical or aesthetic treatments. It's also people who are anorexic, bulimics. No, I think the messages it. we give ourselves are definitely yes, the messages I give myself. You know, it starts from the minute I open my eyes with the eating, but it's, and it's the last thing I think about when I go to sleep is how I messed up during the day. Every day? But this yeah, is- I've written about it a lot. I've got, a, I, you know, and it's, it's, I come very well by it. You know, I had two enormous parents and the shape of my body has been my lifelong 
not fail because I've had a great life but but it's been the you know I was too chubby to be a model but I was scouted I was too chubby to be this I was I am not a tiny person I come from Polish peasant stock you know I'm born to pick potatoes it's just the fact of 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 what I am and learning to live with that fact Mm -hmm. has taken me you know 57 years I would say to really kind of come to terms with the Mm -hmm. fact that I'm never going to be the, the body that I would like to be. I'm never going to probably be the face that I'd like to be, but I'm okay with the face and the body that I've got. And that's been a real journey. You know, that's been a... It's not, it's not always easy, and especially now I worked at Vogue, where inside the magazine the pressure wasn't on how you looked. But osmosis is, is a very powerful thing, and everything was about image. You know, every cover, every photograph we took, every person that you photograph for Vogue, I used to say to people who weren't models, if I, if I was doing portraits, I want this to be the picture that you show your grandchildren. Everybody wants to look their best if they're going to be in Vogue, and that's kind of part of the deal. And so... Of course, how I looked or how my hair was and how my skin was or how I, how I presented myself out there was a, it was a very, it was very important to me. And you become very vulnerable to that. Yeah, of you course know? you do. Of course you do. You know, um, again, I think there is something about the way that we value women and men differently in society. And it's not to get on a kind of, you know, uber feminist high horse. But I think, you know, again, I think we value women for their youth and beauty Mm -hmm. and men for their success and their economic prowess, which is why when you see an older man with a younger woman, you don't blink. But when you see it the other way around, you're like, what the heck? In fact, I think it was Misha Prada that was asked a couple of years ago about, um, you know, if if she's getting plastic surgery or, you know, she's dating younger men. And she said something to the effect of, Darling, if you want to you know, have sex till you're 80, you don't need plastic surgery. You just need a lot of money. And I thought, you know what? You're spot on. You know, I think when we realize that, you know, our power and our worth, and I'm not saying, I know beauty is powerful. Of course it's from it is. Within, too, but it's from within. And confidence. My Lord. I mean, I, I can tell you, I have had young, beautiful young women sit across from me who could just, again, in the whatever percentile stunning, that can't see it. And I've had facial cancer patients who have way better self-esteem. It's so interesting. So interesting. Again, my mother, enormous. Yeah. Men queuing around the block. Queuing around the block, yeah. She had absolutely no self-doubt. And so she was very, you know, she liked men and men were crazy about her. And I mean, every time I, you know, see my mother, there was a new man knocking on the door with a bunch of roses and she'd be in a muumu and she was, you know, she was a big, big girl. But she just didn't have that self to odd, odd that she put all of that onto me. But she didn't have it for herself. She didn't have the self-doubt about her body. She just embraced it. Um, and it's interesting with my own daughter, you know, I, I remember once saying to her, she was eating something and I was saying, you sure you want to eat that? And she just said to me, never say that to me again. And I never, ever did. I never comment on how she looks. Yeah. If she looks pretty, I'd say, oh, you look lovely or she's mm-hmm. going out or something. But I never say, you've put weight on or you've lost weight or yeah. we just don't discuss it because yeah. it was such a big part of my own story and it caused so much damage, I think, for me yeah. that my looks, my looks, my looks all the time so I try not to I, I wait for Molly to ask me a question you know we did her nose yes. because all her life she wanted to alter her nose but I wouldn't I wouldn't dare comment yeah. on her well, when funny enough me. about that I wanted to say just when sometimes when you do do a tweak um, you you forget because you've done it 
it's as if you've let it go. So uh, I don't know how to explain it, but for instance, like I have a chicken pox scar on my forehead. I've had it my whole entire life since I was in fourth grade. And uh, I remember it's, it's the first thing as, uh, as when I finished all my training that I fixed and I took care of. I would Photoshop it out of everything. <laughs> And uh, no one else noticed it, but it was like, it was almost as if I had a unicorn, you know, horn sticking out of my head. And so I fixed that about 10 years ago. I just put a tiny drop of filler that has long since worn off, but I've never once photoshopped or thought about that chicken pox scar again. So I always say, you know, it's funny how we can be so fixated on something that no one else sees. And then sometimes I, someone like myself can come in and do something very small, and then you just lose that it becomes it no longer becomes uh, the thing. uh, a the thing means you ascribe to it so when you look at research in this area um, and you look at people that have had it, an injury or disfigurement through something heroic right so you have veterans yes. or you have someone that ran into the burning house that's actually a lot easier to deal with many yes. times than something that comes from a violent attack for example so again it's it's so deep mm. or something you were bullied about so you know again my, my you know I did a lot of work my PhD was in yeah, I basically looked at this, psychoneuroimmunology, so psychodermatology, how the skin and the mind are connected. And with acne, I'd have people who their skin was clear now, but it was almost as if this fear was so traumatic mm. to have had the bullying and the comments that one simple spot would bring it all. Yeah, it was enormous. Yeah. That you know would trigger all of those thoughts again. So I think that's the really interesting thing when we're looking at body image. It's always a deeper story about you know self-belief, about self-acceptance. How do you help someone like that? Yes. So someone who's young. So acne is a big source of, of you know, uh, despair for lots of young and older. You know, there, you have fluctuations. It can happen when you're a, a child. It can happen as a teenager. It happens as an adult. And, you know, the aftermaths, you know, can vary from almost nothing to pigmentation to different scarring to actually, you know, really affecting your life and the way you feel about yourself. So not just in terms of acne, but where where can you get guidance for this? I do know there's some amazing charities out there depending on what's going on. So I've done some you know work with everyone from the Vitiligo Society, Psoriasis Association. So depending on the problem, not only do they have some great advice, but they also have links with a therapist that deals in that area, or they have links with people that have been there, done that. And I think that's, that's often a really helpful. lovely, yeah. It's sort of like when I was in the thick of it, because we know, for example, with a lot of treatments for acne, it often has to get worse before it gets better. So if they're on Accutane or something like that. And again, the expectations. So it was always fascinating to me as well when someone's skin got all better. And I spent the last 10 years hanging on my problems on my skin. Now my skin's yes, better and I, I still don't have the now, job. Yeah. Well, yeah, but yeah. I, and, and what if my life isn't what it's supposed to be now? I thought it would all be great. So maybe there's stuff I haven't worked on. Just so, like love. <laughs> I, I find this all super fascinating. And I wanted to ask you, what about these new filters? So my daughter, she's eight. She loves, you know, she doesn't like the doggy filters. No one looks good with the doggy filters, by by the way. But, you know, there are filters that make your skin look smoother. And I, you know, sometimes I find myself, you know, wanting to, uh, I try not to because I think that in my, what I do, that I need to be as real as I possibly am. Um, so I don't, but I do know that, you know, if I do put a filter on and I don't even know what the name of the filter is, it looks nicer. Uh, of course, you know, I, I don't, but... Do you think that 
these new filters are causing like a totally different distortion. So I had one patient who brought in a Snapchat picture <laughs> of, herself, of herself and her forehead had elongated and her eyes were bigger. And she said, doctor, can you do that for me? And I said, no, that's a filter. Like you should I, bring in the one with the ears. Yeah, like no, I have no, no, ear. no, she just actually, it made her, it made it so she had those big dewy, yeah. big eyes yeah. and that big, bigger forehead than what she had. And I said, I'm really sorry, but no, and you shouldn't be looking at that. That's, that's not normal. And looking like a kid is great when you're a kid, but you know, having those big, you know, deer like eyes when you're older it does it well, doesn't trying to look like cartoons yeah well, it's exactly. computer generated cgi of one so what do you how would you, do you have a lot of that do you find that people increasingly i think people can't live up to themselves i think so many so much of our lives is online and look the way that we airbrush our pictures we're brushing our lives as a whole can i just say it's not just yes. the pictures right so you speak to any of your friends that are doing online dating and stuff and just kind of the superlatives of you know and what they post on instagram like everyone's always on holiday and yes. designer clothes and you're sitting there you know with like a face pack on eating like leftovers <laughs> thinking what the differential and i think that's it look we're comparative creatures right we're comparative that that's how we've been socialized so you know i never know i look good until i see how i look in relation to others if what i'm accessing is not real images of others however That's i will never difficult. live up to that and this this is the problem do you recommend to your patients because i've come off instagram as everybody i'm very all social media actually which is completely unhelpful probably professionally but because we have a podcast because we have a instagram <laughs> and i have a personal instagram and i have a professional profile in many different areas but i just knew that for my own um, sanity I wanted to get off it I wanted to come off I don't care what other people are doing I don't care what other people are looking like and I feel about 100% better Fantastic. and I'm not even somebody who feels that I'm that engaged with social media but I was just sick of watching mm -hmm. people and they're sort of what I see as this sort of um, in lots of cases this sort of increased self-awareness and this increased mm -hmm. vanity and this increased concern about what other people might feel they look like or the lives that they're leading and the minute I switched off from their lives I became you know I pick up a newspaper or I can I I don't worry about the things and I don't even know that I'm worrying about them it's subconscious you know the, the stuff that goes in from Instagram because you look at it but you're not really looking and do you recommend to your patients to maybe uh, take it down to an hour a day, or are there practical? Look, it solutions? depends on what they're doing. This is because I do a lot, you know, with with parents, and they're like, "Oh, yeah. my kid's being bullied online." I say, actually, that's the one place. Be careful to take away their tech, because the place they're being bullied is often also the place they get support, right? So we know that so much of their lives happens online. However, what are they doing online? How are they connecting? How much time? And in the same way, you know that that you know you have to have rules. And this is what I'm talking about kids so like you know definitely not before bedtime we know it affects their sleep definitely not where they're studying we know it affects memory consolidation definitely not during meal times so having a you know a certain amount of time a day is fair enough however i would i would kind of put a caveat there if i see somebody who has an eating disorder who is constantly on instagram looking up food and models i think that that's a, a way of, of self-harming yeah, actually perpetuating the problem so i think stuff like that we absolutely have to look at you know it, and it's it's you've got to think of 
of it like this, you know, Instagram's a teenager, Snapchat's a kid, you know, Facebook's a teenager. These, these new technologies um, are kind of outpacing our social evolutions. We have a technological evolution that's going, you know, a million miles an hour. Socially, we're playing catch up. We're not meant to, to, to be relating like this. So it's like this big social experiment. So decide how much of a part do you want to be of this experiment? Maybe a bit, right? I use it for work or I share stuff with friends, but to allow somebody else's perception of me to dictate how I feel about myself? No. You need to give somebody else permission to make you feel less than. Decide. Do I give them permission or do I decide not to? And that's very hard for a teenager, I'd say. I mean, I know your your clients are probably in there. You don't, don't have see that many teenagers. No, but okay. I think for when you, you... I think all of these kind of... Um, Conditions probably start at least start to evolve in your in your teens, late teens, yeah. So body dysmorphia, you know, the way you see your face, the way you you want to be, and I think um, I think that the well, I know I have a friend actually who's um, very involved in dealing with Facebook and Instagram and all these people about how kids can be targeted less. Actually, that you can't you can't go after kids. But also, I wanted to ask you: when I see those women walking down the street, and I think, how do you not see that you look like a fish? You know, how do you not see what you've done to your face? Is that dysmorphia? No, I think what happens there um, is that you kind of lose you do so much you lose perspective, right? Yeah. So you forgot that you put whatever it is filler. You, or whatever. you think it's, it's not normal. dysmorphia. It's, it's your, it's, you think it's, it's you normal. actually don't remember what you used to look like before. Yeah. So it's like a buildup. It's it's like if you walked in here tomorrow with brown hair and then we spoke three months later, I would remember you as a brunette as a instead brunette. of a blonde. And, it's truly you know, terrifying. Uh, it, it, I noticed that a lot. So I take a lot of before and after pictures. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people say, but I don't see a difference. And then I show them a picture and I'm like, they're like, oh my God, I can't even believe I look like I was walking around like that. Or, you know, that that was really me because I, I, they, I always say you forget the minute it's gone and you've forgotten about it. That's amazing to me. I see so much of it, and I, I stood next to a girl who was probably in her mid-twenties, and her lips were an inch away from her face the other day, and I thought, how do you, in what world but is that people, normal? But, but also, some people like that look, yeah. so, you know, some people want to have purple, blue hair, and have it spiked out, and, you know... But the sad thing is, I don't know if you guys see this, but I think everyone's trying to look the same, right? So I look at, um, you yes. know, these TV shows like Love Island, and I'm like, oh my God, you all want the same eyes, the same skin yeah. tone, like, you know what yeah. I mean? Across the same yeah. little nose. Yeah. There's no like, diversity. There's the, not, the diversity yeah. isn't, you know, applauded, really, in no, that no. sort of way. It's true. Everybody wants to have this very tight face that... Yeah. Uh, is also contoured uh, with no makeup now since yeah, the makeup. Course. Thankfully, at least I, I didn't like that whole really accentuate, like that excessive makeup that was. Oh my the God, mode. those lines. That, yes, yes, that you know you would blur in. We could, could keep speak you for hours. Yeah, exactly. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you so much, Linda, pleasure. for coming. Really, it's such a it's such a pleasure to have you, and so enlightening for us, and I think for everybody who listens as well. I just think every, I think it actually touches every person's life at some point. So, you know, we all have our ups and downs, and everybody, you know, you might have a good day, you might have a bad day, you might have a long strip of bad days or good days but I just think mental health no matter how it is is so important and how we're perceived in this new world of digital and immediate and filters is um is kind of could we as a takeaway if you have a you know if, if if anybody out there feels that they have a problem or a child who they're worried about or somebody is wondering whether they themselves are dysmorphic 
Is there somewhere do? that you so, could recommend that they contact or? Absolutely. So actually, um, recently on my podcast, I spoke to one of the leading authorities on BDD so they can download that. It's called The Psychology Behind and actually to a BDD survivor um, who speaks about her own charity that she set up. So there's there's a lot there. I think in the, you know, what the other thing that I always say, though, if, if you feel that this is an issue, go to your GP and ask for a referral because like any illness, the sooner you get on top of it, the better so don't hide away and because I think very sadly still we live in a world where there's a lot of shame that comes with mental illness and we're trying to change that we're speaking about it more but people still feel, I think there's a lot of lip service paid to, oh yeah, we're in mental health now. What? So what are we doing? Do, are, do we actually have enough psychologists out there? Are we actually making it more accessible? So it's great that there's stories and information online, but if this is something that you're struggling with, by all means, I would say go to your GP, ask for a referral. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much. Linda. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on Instagram at the Guinea Pig Podcast. And or if you have any questions for us or you'd like us to forward to Linda, do email us at theguineapigpod at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. The Guinea Pig provides unbiased information to those who may be considering cosmetic surgery or even trialing a non-invasive treatment or product. We do not endorse the use of any product or procedure featured in this podcast and are not responsible for the outcome of any of the treatments featured on this podcast or damage caused in connection with any treatments or products. Should you decide to try any of the procedures, treatments or products mentioned in any episode of The Guinea Pig, you do so at your own risk. Always consult an independent and and fully qualified medical professional if you are considering embarking on a medical procedure, irrespective of whether it's an invasive or non-invasive procedure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.